Hello, and welcome to another episode of Altitude Crime. I'm Amelia Allen, and as always, I am coming in with another Colorado true crime story for you. But, of course, I have to give a big shout out to my returning listeners, and a big thanks to anybody who is new to the podcast today. You have 16 other episodes just waiting for you to binge, if you haven't already. And for both my returning listeners and new listeners, don't forget to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That is the only way other people are going to find out about Altitude Crime. And while our little crime clan is growing, I want it to continue to grow. So thanks in advance for doing that. Today is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but it is a wild one with a big twist in it, so it is definitely worth covering. Today, I am covering the suicide of Leroy Dreith. Case closed, right? It's a suicide. Move on. But when Leroy's body was exhumed 25 years after his death, it was found that it was not a suicide and actually due to foul play. Leroy was born to his father, Henry, and mother, Frida, in 1950 in Mead, Colorado. So Mead is a very small community. It's in northern Colorado, located in Weld County. It's about one hour north of Denver and just outside of Longmont. As of 2019, just under 5,000 people resided there. So, in 1950, while Leroy was growing up, this town was super small. Leroy and his siblings grew up on a farm where it was his job to irrigate the crops. Leroy had three siblings, and he was the oldest. At 17, he started to date a girl named Patty, who was one year his junior. After a year of dating, the two became engaged. On Memorial Day, 1968, which was May 30th, Leroy went to a party at Patty's house. He ended up leaving the party in the late afternoon, and Patty walked Leroy to his car. After leaving his girlfriend's house, Leroy rolled through a stop sign and hit the brake shortly after passing through it. This resulted in 69 feet of eerie skid marks before his car collided with a tree. The tree that Leroy collided head-on with was just a block and a half away from Patty's house. And in horrifying fashion, the tree was also right in front of Meade, Colorado's school. Leroy was killed instantly in the accident. He was only 18 years old. Being a small town, Leroy's brother and father were actually the first to find him. They had just been passing by. His father, Henry, stayed with Leroy, while Leroy's brother, Doug, went to the town grocery store to call for help. Some information is lost as the Colorado State Patrol report for this incident no longer exists. Someone told medics that Leroy had a fight with his girlfriend, and that after the fight, he made the declaration that he was going to commit suicide. 
The medic who overheard this, named Delbert Mickelson, relayed this to the coroner as they started their investigation into the case. Once the coroner heard this story, they declined to do an autopsy at all. The story for the death and the scene seemed straightforward. A heartbroken young man who decided to end his life. The coroner wrapped up their investigation in about an hour. According to Kevin Vaughn's reporting for Nine News, the coroner's report read, quote, Otto struck tree in front of high school, had left girlfriend's house stating he was going to kill self and not see her again, proceeded two blocks to accident, unquote. Whether these were firsthand reports the coroner received or information from troopers is still unclear to this day but the coroner ruled Leroy's death an auto-suicide. Frida, Leroy's mother, did not believe the manner of death from the beginning. She even went to the Greeley district attorney to beg for an investigation. They basically told her she was just a mourning mother and she was turned down for any kind of investigation. Leroy's sister, Vicky, was 11 at the time of his death, and his passing changed Vicky's life forever. While she always knew that something was wrong and that her brother would have not committed suicide, she would have to wait until she was older to push for an investigation into Leroy's death. Her push began in June 1988, 20 years after Leroy's death. She happened to just kind of drop by the coroner's office and really expected to just be turned away and just get nowhere. But the coroner's office also felt that the case wasn't investigated correctly. The current staff told her that auto-suicide was very rare, and they immediately advised her to look into getting a private investigator. Now, this was clearly serious since the authorities encouraged her to look at it and didn't just brush her off like she expected to be. Vicki couldn't afford a private investigator, so she took the role on herself. Vicky took to the streets and tracked down anyone who knew Patty or was around the party the day that Leroy died. She discovered that there had been a fight at the party, but not between Leroy and his girlfriend. Patty's former sister-in-law confirmed that the fight was actually between Leroy and Patty's family. Apparently, some of Patty's family members were not fond of Leroy, and there was some sort of racial tension in the relationship. I haven't been able to really nail this down, but it seems like Leroy and his family were of one race, while Patty's family was of another, and that created issues with Patty's family accepting the relationship that she was in. Vicky's next step in her informal investigation was to locate Patty. She ended up placing an ad in the newspaper asking for Patty to call her. And Patty did. Patty told Vicky that she never told anyone that she and Leroy had fought that day. She also said that the portion of the story saying that he would commit suicide was also not true. But when Vicky tried to push for further answers... Patty was pretty mum. At this point, with what information they had, Leroy's family opted for an exhumation of his body. Leroy's body was exhumed from Mountain View Cemetery in Longmont on August 9, 1993, 
25 years after his death. Leroy's body was then taken to the next town over in Loveland, where medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Patrick Allen did a new autopsy of Leroy's remains. Dr. Allen was the coroner for Larimer County for 36 years. And Larimer County includes cities like Fort Collins, Loveland, and Estes Park. So he definitely had a wide breadth of experience. According to the Unsolved Mysteries episode about this case, Dr. Allen said, quote, It was immediately apparent that this young man had sustained, actually, two incised wounds to the neck. And... They were very characteristic of what I see all the time in persons who've received stab or slash wounds to the neck from a knife, unquote. It was immediately obvious that Leroy's death was in no way a suicide. One of these wounds was two inches long, which is indicative of a stab. It's basically just the width of whatever object was used to stab the person. The other was four inches long and indicative of a slashing motion. This wound cut directly through Leroy's windpipe. This wound along his windpipe was definitely not consistent with a car crash. The wound most likely would have been fatal, but not immediately. This gave Leroy time to get in his car and try to get away from Patty's home but his death was actually caused by the crash. Another inconsistency was shown in Leroy's death certificate. It had said that his two main arteries running up the neck to the face were severed in the accident, but Dr. Allen's findings showed that they were not. Dr. Allen concluded that the wounds were consistent with that of foul play, and after the exhumation and following autopsy, Leroy's cause of death was changed to undetermined, and the case was listed as probable foul play as the investigation was reopened. The Unsolved Mysteries episode I referred to earlier came out in 1996, just a couple of years after the findings by Dr. Allen, but none of the efforts gained the investigation any traction. In 2015, a Weld County Sheriff's detective was assigned to Leroy's case, and they were hopeful that people around town would still be alive and able to answer questions. While time can be hard on people's memories or people can pass away, it can also work in investigators' favor. Sometimes people's alliances tend to loosen when a lot of years have passed and can cause people to start talking and saying things they wouldn't have many years ago. One main theory in Leroy's death has emerged. As we already know, Patty's family was upset and did not approve of Leroy. So when Patty walked Leroy to his car, it is assumed that he was attacked at that point. Leroy's family believes that one of Patty's family members attacked him and he got in the car to get away. The accident of him colliding headfirst with the tree in his car happened rather because Leroy lost consciousness or did not have the ability to control the car at that point. According to Vicki, she was contacted by Patty again, and Patty said she wanted to discuss what really happened at the party. However, when Vicki called back to set up a meeting, 
Patty's phone number was disconnected. Leroy's family having to wait for some answers for 25 years is nothing short of a tragedy and serves as a cautionary tale for rushed coroners. So let's clarify what a coroner is because the term is often used interchangeably with that of medical examiner, but that's not really what they are. So a coroner is an elected official. The coroner's main job is to determine a cause of death for a person. They also can identify bodies and notify next of kin for victims and other deceased persons. They do not have to be licensed doctors and do not perform autopsies. A medical examiner, on the other hand, is a licensed forensic pathologist. So coroners can only do autopsies if they are a licensed doctor, which some of them are, but not all. The state of Colorado has what is called a coroner system. This means that some deaths are investigated only by a coroner. They don't involve the police. They don't involve a medical examiner. They determine that cause of death on their own. And a lot of other states operate this way, about 14 others, and they're mainly Midwestern states. According to Kevin Vaughn's reporting for the Gazette, the requirements to be a coroner in the state are as follows. You have to have a high school degree. You can't have any felonies. You have to be a U.S. citizen. You have to take a 40-hour coroner class as well as a death investigation course. But neither of these courses have to be completed prior to gaining employment as a coroner. The person just has to do them once they've been elected. A coroner then basically has to do a refresher course on these each year that they're employed. And like I said before, you do not have to be a medical professional to be a coroner. So as you can see, this could certainly create some issues. While I'm not saying all coroners are terrible, you could definitely see how something like Leroy Dreith's incident could happen, in which a coroner moved too fast, sounds like possibly moved on secondhand information, and in the meantime, a family paid the ultimate price of not knowing what happened to their loved one. While as recent as 2015 investigators are back on the case, Leroy Dreith's murder is still unsolved. There is a reward for any information, and if you have any information about this crime, no matter how small, you can report a tip on Unsolved Mysteries website at www.unsolved.com. So I told you, this story is kind of wild. Who would have thought that a suicide that had been quote-unquote laid to rest for 25 years would turn into what is still an ongoing investigation. So let's wrap up with a few thoughts here. Musing number one. And this is one that is probably more of an emotional response than a scientific one, but stick with me here. Dr. Allen, the medical examiner that did Leroy's second autopsy, noted that his remains were in extremely good condition considering he had passed away almost three decades earlier. You have to kind of wonder if there's some kind of poetic justice here. I know that there's totally science in how a body decomposes, but we do see things like these bodies that are found in the Incan Mountains or things like that that are just so perfectly preserved. 
And you have to wonder if there was some kind of working out there that made it to where when Leroy would be exhumed, his remains would be in good enough conditions to get some answers for his family. Musing number two. There has been no public identity for the bystander that mentioned that Leroy and Patty had gotten in a fight and that Leroy had consequently said he was going to kill himself. I think this in and of itself would end up to be a huge piece of information if it is ever found out. Because it sounds like a really good way to plant some information to mislead investigators exactly as it did. And keeping in mind that Leroy's accident only happened a block and a half away from Patty's house, someone at that party could have easily gotten to the scene and planted this little nugget of misinformation to get people working in the wrong direction. Musing number three. In regards to the larger wound that Leroy had, that was the four-inch slash wound across his windpipe, the embalmer had actually sewn it shut. And it makes me wonder the power of an embalmer in that kind of situation. I'm not saying that in this particular one, the person overlooked this, but it does make me wonder what type of power embalmers and undertakers have to question something if they see something maybe not congruent to how a person supposedly died. And I mean, they're not medical examiners, they're not coroners. I don't know if they have that say, but if anybody has information on this, I'd be really interested to know that. If you know anything or can refer me to any answers, please find me on social media at Instagram at Altitude Crime Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Altitude Crime. So unfortunately, this is one of those stories where I leave you with more questions than answers. But as I always say, these are the stories that are the most important to tell because the person who can break the case might still just be out there. And Leroy's family and Leroy himself deserve the dignity of knowing what happened to him. Again, if you have any information on the case, you can report tips at www.unsolved.com. So thanks again for listening. I know this was a little bit of a shorter one, but I hope you still found it interesting. Remember to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on social media at Instagram at Altitude Crime Podcast or on Facebook and Twitter at Altitude Crime. You can visit AltitudeCrime.com for source materials and merchandise. And I have one more ask for you guys. I'm really in the process of trying to create a tagline for the podcast And I just haven't come across something that really fits me or the podcast quite yet. If you have any ideas, shoot them on over to me on social media. So thanks again for spending part of your week with me. And I will talk to you next week on Altitude Crime. Episode 17, The Suicide, No, Murder, of Leroy Dreith, was written, recorded, and edited by Amelia Allen. Music provided by Podbean.com.